When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter up. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 156 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So the main thing that has happened since we last recorded, we are recording this on Monday night, spicy, <laughs> March 27th. Uh, we, we are going to be a Tuesday podcast now. Get excited, folks. We've changed our day of the week. We used to be a Wednesday show, and now we're a Tuesday show. A little bit of you an don't adjustment. don't have to wait the whole extra day anymore. Exactly. Um, we are now a Tuesday podcast. Uh, part of the Homer and Applesauce changeover, we shifted our schedule a little bit. Um, just by one day. We'll all be fine. We'll get through it together. Um, but uh, since we last recorded... Um, the Mets are finalizing their opening day roster um, in a sort of surprise move. It was sort of a surprise series of events because the first thing that happened is that the Mets sent Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos to the minors. I do have to um, say a series of events like that sounds is pretty much the Mets entire <laughs> existence in a nutshell. A series of unfortunate events. The New York Mets story. Sometimes just myster- mysterious. <laughs> yeah, sometimes just odd. I would call this uh, this series of events mysterious with a hint of misfortune, I guess. <laughs> a little and a dash of hmm. Yeah. Um so the the Mets sent down Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos 
which unleashed, you know, a lot of anger on the part of Mets Twitter. Um, understandably so, because, you know, I, I at least I am of the opinion that Brett Beatty earned a spot on this roster um, with his spring training. And we've talked extensively on this podcast about how Brett Beatty playing starting at third base and uh, and Eduardo Escobar being the platoon partner DH with Daniel Vogelbach and also, you know, playing part time in various infield positions was actually the f- perfect fit for this roster. But the Mets don't agree, <laughs> I guess, for whatever reason. Um, so this led everyone to believe at the time, because the first thing that happened was that they optioned Beatty and Vientos down to the minors. The first thing that this led everyone to believe was that Darren Ruff was then going to make the roster, which was part of the source of the rage that, you know, that was very unserious on the part of the Mets to roster Darren Ruff. Um, but then they didn't roster Darren Ruff. So it, they are neither, neither rostering Brett Beatty nor Darren Ruff, but a secret third thing like I tweeted when this came out, uh, they are rostering Tim Locastro instead, which was, which is a somewhat fascinating decision. <laughs> um, it's not bad. It's not the best thing they could have done, but it's not the worst thing they could have done. It's, it's one of the weirdest things they could have done. I'm Or you could roster whoever's behind door number three. Yeah, exactly. It just seems like a series of, not well thought out decisions. If you were going to DFA Darren Ruff, then keep Vientos or Beatty. Exactly. Like, I don't understand. Like, you had to have made the decision way before today that you were going to DFA him. Like, nothing changed after you sent Beatty and Vientos down. And now you can't recall them unless somebody gets hurt. Yeah. And and like you said, Linda, they clearly made this decision days ago. Yeah. But the quotes that Billy Epler gave in the aftermath of this are not indicative of someone who's been thinking about this for three days. <laughs> um, like, that is an evergreen take, Allison. Yeah. Evergreen. <laughs> it's it, it's not even like it's not even like typical Mets incompetence. It's just like very odd the way he spoke about this. Um, I'll read the exact quotes because it's kind of like me describing <laughs> it is not sufficient to fully understand. Um, so he, the part that he clearly did prepare for was like giving his explanation of why he sent down Brett Beatty and he just cited vague like developmental objectives. Like basically he said he doesn't think he's ready yet, which goes against everything that everyone else has been saying and things that have been demonstrated before our eyeballs during spring training. But vibes. Um, But vibes. Vibes are vibes that are like minor league vibes, at least like three weeks of minor league vibes around these parts developmental objectives that was the that was the catchphrase that was used and so that was clearly the prepared term the like uh boardroom like we've prepared this term developmental objectives that was something that sounds like meaningful but actually probably has no meaning whatsoever look you gotta put that mba to you somehow they that was the gm speak that they prepared But then someone, so Tim Britton is the one who tweeted out the response to this question. I'm not sure if he's the one who asked the question, but whoever did ask the question, good job. Because someone (laughs) for once asked a follow-up question was like, hmm, 
Billy, what are those developmental objectives for Brett Beatty exactly? And he answered with this word salad. Just continuing to get tested in different game situations, learning the speed, when to give ground, when to take ground, just being put in different types of circumstances, different types of situations. So he wants him to play baseball. (laughs) Different kinds of baseball. Different types of situations. (laughs) I also would like to be tested in different kinds of situations. Level up in life. I feel like I could do it. (laughs) Different game situations. I'm just wondering like what game situations he's yet to experience that that Billy Epler thinks he will experience in, you know, however many AAA games before he decides to promote him eventually. Maybe he really, really wants him to have the game experience of Syracuse weather in April. I suppose. That's not fun for anybody. That's not a game situation I want to be involved in. No. That's not a game situation. I want the, you know, hamstrings of my talented young third baseman to be in either. But oh, well. Yeah. So that was sort of bizarre, but it kept getting even more bizarre. Like (laughs) Billy Epler's been on one this week, you guys. Like he has been on one. So. Then obviously the the Darren Ruff side of the equation played out and everyone was like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is not what we expected. Um, and he and Billy Epler in, you know, when asked uh, by the media about that in the aftermath of them officially DFAing Darren Ruff, he started out by being honest about the, the trade, refreshingly honest, which I did not expect either. He said it was a trade that didn't work out plain and simple. It's like, oh, wow, he admitted it. Good job. <laughs> admitted I it was mean- bad. He's not wrong, but this has always been his issue, is the easy stuff he gets right. It's everything else he gets wrong, including speaking to the media. Right. But And then it got weirder because he gave this quote on the diversity of the bench. You don't want to be holding a three-run lead, and then you look down at your bench, and everybody is just a big, hairy guy that hits the ball in the seats, right? You want to have somebody that can defend. Does the hair push the ball farther? No. no. (laughs) It felt very Scott Boris, that quote. There felt (laughs) very, like, um, interpretive. Right. Like, clearly that was an explanation of why Tim Locastro is on the team and not Darren Ruff, I guess. Like, that's what that quote was supposed to be. But I'm just like, I'm confused on several levels. Like, number one, what does the hairiness have to do with, like, this is the first demonstrated, like, connection between hairiness and dingers that I've heard. Like, big dude, sure. But, like, big hairy dudes? I, I'm like, okay. Is and there then, a stat here that we can point to? Like, hairy per feet? Or hairy per dinger? <laughs> this is this is an analysis that someone needs to carry out here. That Like, a correlation between level of hair and is number of Is this, like, the secret Mets analytics department at work here? They have their own hairy like method of measuring things because i don't know but there have been plenty of bald home run hitters in the history of baseball (laughs) and i don't think like aaron judge is that hairy 
Well, he's on the Yankees, so he can't be hit. No, anybody well, on the Yankees throws the, the sample. There. No, Yankees I mean I am struggling to. I feel like hairiness is more of a pitcher thing. Yeah, I yeah. always like think about like hairstyle, like like facial hair and stuff. When I th- I think about pitchers, I don't necessarily think about hitters, even though obviously some of them have facial hair too. But like I don't know, like somebody. I'm like, having trouble thinking of a big dinger dude who is particularly her suit. I guess Pete Alonso, but like he's no. not beardy. No. He's just like hairy on his body. When but he gets seen him shovely, not that bad. it's clear that he's not a beard guy at all. Right. No. Correct. He I mean, never, he had the he, weird mustache for Keith Hernandez day, but that was about it. I'm not sure he's capable of growing like a full beard. <laughs> but like, yeah. Although, no, given the, whatever nice work some artist did on his hairline over the last couple of years, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Um, I imagine if he did want to get a beard, he would be able to figure out how to go about that. <laughs> oh, Pete. <laughs> but like, yeah, the, and the Yankees just completely screw up this analysis, whatever you want to do. You'd almost have to like exclude the Yankees because none of them can be hairy. So they, they throw off the whole sample. So, yeah, but someone needs to run this analysis. I don't I don't understand his the the synapse in his brain that connected hairiness with dingers, but that was one weird thing. <laughs> and then the other weird part of it was like, you have a hairy guy on your bench who's a defense first guy in Luis Guillorme already. Very hairy gentleman, doesn't hit a lot of home runs, is somebody that can defend. So that that's already a counterexample to your thesis on your own team, on your own bench <laughs> that you're already talking about. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I just didn't know that. I saw this quote. I read it once. I went, huh. I read it again, and I went, what? <laughs> it's almost like he's talking completely out of his ass. Yeah, right? <laughs> almost. It was like, it was such a roller coaster, because I was like, that's a word salad about Brett Beatty. And then I was like, oh, he admitted the Darren Ruff trade was a mistake. That's refreshing. Big hairy guys? <laughs> it was well, like such a journey. Well, it's helpful that his name is also Billy, so I always compare him to Billy Flynn from Chicago about how... Like, his whole thing, and it even applies to Cohen now. It's like, you know, the whole, give him the old razzle-dazzle, like, ooh, new scoreboard, new clubhouse, new, we got Verlander, we got, you know, ooh, all the shiny new stuff, well, the Mets are going to be great. And then you spent, like, $500 million this season and don't have a right-handed dance option. Well, the the actual roster construction, which I don't agree with, mind you, but here's the actual roster construction now that Tim LoCastro has made the team instead of Darren Ruff. It Darren Ruff's role is now actually Tommy Pham. Which also does not inspire much confidence. Pham no, was not Tommy good Pham this has spring. been awful this spring. But he does make real major league money, so... <laughs> I wouldn't call him a, an acceptable DH option. Like, wait, we have all this stuff and we still have holes in the line, glaring Look, holes. Look, after last line. year, the floor on that roll is so low, it wouldn't be fair to not give the Mets at least a chance to fail to hit that floor. It's but true. If, like Nimmo or Marte, they're both, you know, coming off injuries. What if they get hurt and you need to put Ooh. fans in the outfield? Then what do you do? Is Low Castro your DH? Well, I think actually Low Castro but, plays the outfield. <laughs> well, and then probably you'd bring Brett Baby up at that point. Yes, probably. Or somebody up. Somebody else. But yeah, I mean, 
the you do need to and Buck did a good job with this last year. We've talked about this a lot. Like those the the Mets trio of outfielders do need a lot of load management and Buck managed to do that well. And now that now they have like two outfielders on the bench and they can execute that pretty well, hopefully. Um it does help. I mean, the one place where Billy Epler is right when he's talking about like, oh, it gives us more options. It's not it's not right in the way he said it, but it does give them more flexibility as far as like you don't have two guys in Vogelbach and Ruff who basically can't play the field at all. You only yeah. have one of those guys now. So it's not like you want. That's nice. But you would have only had one of those guys if you simply put Brad Beatty on the team instead. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, this clearly we thought the whole time, or at least I did. I can't speak for I was talking about like we the royal we Mets Twitter, I guess, um, thought that this was all a setup for them, like them refusing to cut bait on Darren Ruff. But I think what this all sets up for is that they actually just really love Eduardo Escobar. Well, I also I mean, it, it does. I did feel a little bit better about the process after they cut Ruff because like, I don't love them sending Beatty down at this point in his career and development, but at the same time, they're doing it for a better reason than if they were doing it for Darren Ruff. Yeah. I suppose it's kind of like the middle, like, it's kind of the middle outcome. It's not the middle outcome I expected, because I was kind of thinking about three separate potential outcomes, and LeCastro was in none of these outcomes, but it's sort of analogous to the middle outcome. The best outcome, at least in my view, if I'm, like, ranking them, was Brett Beatty makes the team, they cut Darren Ruff. The worst outcome was Brett Beatty does not make the team, they don't cut Darren Ruff. The middle outcome that I thought might happen, that had the lowest chance of happening but could happen, was that Brett Beatty doesn't make the team, they cut Darren Ruff, Mark Vientos makes the team. But it's kind of that, except instead it's Tim Locastro, which is odd. I mean, Mark Vientos had a good spring, too, but he did strike out like a boatload of times. Like his batting line looks good, but basically any time he didn't get a hit, he struck out. It, he, he led the team in strikeouts by like a lot, like six or seven strikeouts. Like he had like I just wrote his season preview. I think he struck out like 13 times in 22 at-bats. Yeah, it was Jesus really Christ, bad. Mark. And he had 122 strikeouts in Syracuse last year, and he wasn't even Woo. there the whole time. Yeah, Yikes. like this spring was like, if you just look at his line, it looks okay, but he basically either got a hit or struck out. Those were the two outcomes. That's it. <laughs> so I could see, like, I understand How's Mark that play up to Major League pitching, I wonder. Yeah, I understand Mark Vientos not being ready. Like, his zone contact rate is awful. So I understand sending him down. I don't particularly understand sending Brett Beatty down. The only knock you could give on Brett Beatty this spring is that he didn't hit for a lot of power. I think he only had, like, two extra base hits. He had, like, a home run and a double. But, like, his overall, he hit 325. (laughs) Like... In, like, a pretty large sample for spring training at-bats. Like, it was over 40 at-bats, I think. So, I don't know. Yeah. Like They really did think... give him the time. I mean, you can't argue with that. Right. It's not like they I... buried him and then shuffled him off. But it does make it all the hope... weirder. I sincerely hope that the Mets don't give Eduardo Escobar 
a lengthy leash as the starting third baseman and that if Eduardo Escobar is hitting 200 in April, that they will just bring Brett Beatty up. I really hope. Allison, you also, you pointed this out too. Like why bother keeping these prospects if you're not going to let them play? Right. At this point, they did. They held on to them at the deadline last year and now they're not even going to start the season this year. Yeah. That's been the, the root of my whole frustration with this has been they, Billy Epler argued at the deadline last year when he didn't improve the team enough that these prospects were too precious and too valuable to hold on to. And now he's not playing them. So which is it? Well, he was also to remember talking about like marginal wins, like what's an extra, <laughs> what's an extra win in the long run of the season? Like, Oh, just the difference between the wild card and not. Yeah, like his whole like, oh, to get one percentage point like in the chances of winning the World Series and the margins, blah, blah, blah. And it's like you can take that same analysis and apply it to what you've just done, which is not roster your best position players. And it's possible that Eduardo Escobar playing third base every day, like, don't get me wrong. I like Eduardo Escobar. He's a fun player. And I don't think that he should not be on the team. I just think he shouldn't be handed the third base starting job over Brett Beatty. Like, and you're, if you apply that same analysis, then you're talking about that that might cost you a couple of wins in April, which are just as valuable as wins in September. And what if you come up a win or two short of winning the division? Then you can point to that right there as the reason why. And having Beatty on the team just, Help solve your DH problem too. You can get Escobar. You can make him your platoon since he's a switch hitter. You, you know, he just gives you more flexibility and more options. So even if you know you do want Baby to be your third baseman of the season, that doesn't necessarily mean Escobar sits. And they face a ton of lefties to start the season. Right, like Escobar, I think would play like at least four times a week, even if Brett Beatty's your everyday third baseman. We've talked about this. He he can play all around. The infield, he can allow Jeff McNeil to shift to the outfield to give one of the outfielders a rest. Speaking of load management of the outfielders, like there are lots of options. He doesn't just have to be limited to being the the DH only when lefties pitch. That doesn't have to be the situation. Like he can play more often than that. Um, and but probably yeah, it, makes it's... the Mets a better team there. Exactly. Well, then this is the also frustrating thing. They couldn't sign Correa, and then part of the reasoning was, well, Beatty would be blocked. Well, I would still rather have Carlos Correa now, because now where's Beatty getting us? Wins in Syracuse? Yeah, exactly. This is Brett Beatty not being the Mets' third baseman is a pretty easy pill to swallow if your starting third baseman is Carlos Correa. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yes. Fine. Get those developmental objectives, Brett. Exactly. <laughs> developmental objectives it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just... Yeah, so it's just been frustrating, like, uh, like GM speak about this out of Billy Epler about the Brett Beatty decision. But like, I have I mean, a question now, given everything we know now before the season, given every decision now that they've made, how would you rate their offseason before the season starts? Are you are we rating it just in terms of like moves that they made? Yeah, including their decisions of not rostering baby now huh okay good question i so it was funny because we were talking about exactly this on the patreon uh exclusive season preview podcast um yesterday which if you want to get patreon exclusive content you can support us on patreon 
Um, and Lucas uh, talked about grading the Mets offseason. Uh, he didn't take it at the time. Beatty was not. Uh, well, we thought Darren Ruff was going to be on the roster, but that was not being taken into account. He was just talking about the pure like moves that they made um, as far as free agents or like trades and things like that. And he gave the, the Mets an A plus, which I was I, I mean, I, I understand that, but I, I think that's a little nice, that, which is funny because Lucas is usually a pretty tough grader. Of yeah, Mets. I'm surprised. Um, But he gave them an A plus. I would give them. I'm I'm oscillating between B plus and A minus. This Beatty thing might have pushed me down to a B plus. Yeah, but it's still pretty good. Like I feel like it's, it's a, a solid. Roster. It's it's a B plus for me, and the Beatty situation maybe moves it from like a high B plus to a low B plus, but not. It was a big off season. There was a lot of stuff happening. I'm not saying that it's not a mistake to leave Beatty off of the roster, but also like. There's just a lot going on. And again, you hope that Escobar has a pretty short leash and hopefully this doesn't matter. Either Escobar performs well and the and the status quo is then fine or he doesn't and they realize that quickly and then just promote Brett Beatty anyway and hopefully it doesn't have too, too much of an impact. Like I said, a month's worth of games like this can have an impact. So, and and when we have a tight division... Everyone counts, but hopefully we're talking about the margins of the roster here. We're not talking about the core of the roster, which is sound, despite the Edwin Diaz injury, which is not obviously the Mets front office's fault. So, and they did extend Edwin Diaz. That was one of the moves they made. Yes. Very <laughs> good move. Right move. Even right. considering. Um, so the other, I guess we'll move to the, uh, well, Linda, what what grade would you give? Uh, I think I would give them a B. B. Because they did, like I said, they do the obvious moves, like extending Nimmo, obvious. Extending Diaz, obvious. Um, signing Verlander, obvious. But then you're you're rounding out the roster. I don't think they just did enough a good enough job. So yeah, I'm I, giving them a B. I can I see that. that. I understand that. Um, I think outcome wise, maybe it's a B, but I still think like Mets process wise, I'll give them a B plus at least because for for something like the Tommy Pham signing, they wanted to get a better player than Tommy Pham and were not able to um, for for like playing time reasons. Like they wanted to get Adam Duvall and Andrew McCutcheon were at least two names that they were linked to who are better players than Tommy Pham. But those two players wanted guaranteed starting jobs, which the Mets could not yeah. offer. And that is not Billy Epler's fault. I mean, for me, I feel like if they get one big bat, like Carlos Correa, for example, then <laughs> it's an easy A+. plus. Yeah. So, and like, what's a big bat in the context of the Mets' whole offseason, given that they are now, all of a sudden, rather active during that time? Um, and a full letter grade feels fair. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, like the, the Carlos Correa signing is the difference between an A plus and the grade, like an a whether plus, it's a, plus, 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 plus. Yeah. An yes. A plus and a, a B, a B plus, A minus, whatever range under A plus you want to go with. But the, the Carlos Correa signing is the difference um, for me. If they had just, if they had done that, it would have been an easy A plus, regardless of Brett yeah. Beatty's situation. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That said, we'll move on to the other roster decisions the Mets have made, less controversial than Brett Beatty. Um, David Peterson has won the fifth starter's role um, in the battle between David Peterson and Tyler McGill. David Peterson has emerged victorious. He will fill the fifth starter role vacated by Jose Quintana. Um, I think that's the correct decision. It, even like even objectively speaking as someone who actually like prefer, I guess like prefers is the wrong word. I don't know. i like prefers Tyler McGill to David Peterson. David Peterson clearly pitched better this spring. So he deserves it. Um, and we still don't know if McGill, like what his injuries, um, if they're really holding him back. I think he was really bad after he came back from his injury last year so i don't know i don't mind giving him more time to see if he's still effective or still you know it takes a long time to come back from some injuries so maybe he does need that time to fully heal and get back up to game speed again the issue with mcgill is that even if he's 100 percent healthy right now he hasn't proven he hasn't proven that he can throw with the increased velocity he threw last spring around this time in April when he was like completely shut down. He hasn't proved that he can throw at that velocity and stay healthy. And when you have Tyler McGill dial it back down to the low 90s instead of the mid 90s, he's just not as effective. And that's been shown this spring because he purposefully did not throw as hard. Because he knew that throwing hard was not good for him and his body and his ability to stay healthy. And the results showed it. Um, The big issue was that Tyler McGill walked as many batters as Peterson, if not more, which is crazy. That's hard to do. (laughs) Yeah, because that was David Peter. Even though David Peterson had a zero ERA this spring, which kudos to David Peterson, he still walked a boatload of batters, um, which is his general M.O., that will continue to be the David Peterson experience. We know what the David Peterson experience is. Hopefully, it's it's fine. <laughs> Even if it's not always fun to watch. I also don't agree with them pitching him second. Why couldn't they put Senga there? I don't know. I think they didn't want Senga to be lined up for the home opener. No, that would they be want Verlander Would they be. then want... Yeah, no, I, I, I thought I remembered seeing something about it, but no, that wouldn't make sense then because David Peterson would not be starting the home opener. <laughs> something went horribly, horribly wrong if he is. Uh, I, my wallet, given my wallet and how much I spent on those uh, home opener tickets, God, I hope not. 
<laughs> Selfishly. I would like to think that the days when one would have expected the Mets to end up starting David Peterson for the home opener, that those days for the Mets have largely passed. Yeah. I think we all remember Dylan G opening day starter. Oh, 2014. Um, and we're ready to move on. <laughs> Last year, Tyler McGill was literally the opening day starter. This is true. <laughs> Anything um, is possible. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I think they won 101 games. So there you go. <laughs> um, I think they will. I don't know. I mean, for now, David Peterson, even though he's the fifth starter as far as like role, he is the he is pitching in the second game. I think at some point they'll probably rejigger the rotation, but for now that's what it is. Um, So the other roster decisions that have been made is that Tommy Hunter has officially made the bullpen. Um, That was, that was, uh, we found that out a little bit earlier because he could have opted out of his minor league deal if he didn't make the team. And so they let him know that he was going to make the team. And then that was made official today. Um, so the, the set bullpen guys, um, in the absence of Edwin Diaz are Adam Adovino, uh, David Robertson, Tommy Hunter, um, Drew Smith, (laughs) Brooks and Brooks Raley. Um, I think that's everyone that's like actually set right now. Um, and then there's, there's kind of three spots uh, given Hunter, there's three sort of spots remaining and there's four guys left in camp. This is kind of the final decision that as we record this on Monday night has not yet been made. Um, there's four guys for three spots and those four guys are John Curtis, Steven Nagosik, Alicia Hernandez, and Dennis Santana. Um, I am kind of surprised they didn't put McGill in the bullpen. It's the long man. They want to keep him stretched out as a starter. Yeah, uh, true. I think he God was, knows he- the Mets will need it. McGill was officially optioned, by the way. So that is that is official. He uh, he was optioned today. So I think they want to keep him stretched out as a starter um, because he's basically the next man up if something else happens. If something happens to the like very late 30s, (laughs) hard throwers that are. Excuse you, Herlander is 40. Yeah. Is he actually 40? That's he cool. is actually 40. Good yeah, for him. 40. And Scherzer will be 40 at some point during the season. I forget when his birthday is. All right. There, ah, we go. there are baseball players older than me again. <laughs> I think the average age of the Mets is older than me, which is like really impressive. I am in wow. my 30s. folks. <laughs> it's not the best sign. It's not. It's not. Um... <laughs> So the so I think that I mean, you know, they haven't the Mets haven't said anything about these final three spots. This is my speculation, um, just like educated guesses. I think that Steven Degosek has a leg up on the rest of these guys because he is out of options. And I don't think the Mets want to expose him to waivers. You can argue all you want about the, the, whether that's good process to make that decision. But I think it is this, the decision the Mets will make. He's not had a particularly good spring like it's been fine. Um but yeah, he and I mean he he was good last year when he was in the big leagues, Nagosik. So we'll see what happens there. I think he's probably making the team because of his lack of options. Um, I think John Curtis almost has to make the team. Otherwise, the like once again, like that would be an indication that the Mets are are prioritizing op like guys with options over like 
over like rostering your best players to an extreme degree because John Curtis is an excellent spring and has struck out like 12 batters in six and two thirds innings. Like, can we please? <laughs> um, I would well, be I pretty upset. <laughs> there was a while ago, Yankee fans were trying to like clown on us by showing Bruce hitting a home run off Nagosek. So I tweeted, I'm like, yeah, this isn't the dunk you think it is. Like, we know Nagosek sucks. And Nagosek ended up liking my tweet. Oh, oh no. no. You had a you had the you had a moment like I had with um oh my goodness gracious. Oh, I'm gonna forget his name. Drew Gagnon. Oh, you Gagnon. <laughs> I made a tweet, a, a horrible tweet about Drew Gagnon that I wish I could take back, but it was it was something to the it was it was something along the lines of this is how you end up with Drew Gagnon and he liked that tweet. <laughs> I did apologize to Nikosik and he did like it. So I feel like we're square. <laughs> See, like the the more the, you like we always have to be we have to remind ourselves to be careful about the more fringy players because I feel like they're more online than everybody they are. else. Like Pete Which, Alonso like, is not be. online. Don't go don't name search. That's don't what happened. Search. Yeah. I don't like I searching like no. oh no that's not good <laughs> anyway so no, I, I think, think it was him and his wife who both like my tweet oh, <laughs> Linda <laughs> I didn't mean it <laughs> I mean I did mean it but still. oh man uh, tweet about players at your peril <laughs> I suppose sorry Mr. and Mrs. Nagosik I wish you nothing but future success yeah I hope Steven Nagosik is great for the Mets this year um <laughs> So it kind of leaves, uh, I think that it's probably, even though the Mets haven't announced it yet, I think it's probably one spot between Alicia Hernandez and Dennis Santana. And it's it's probably just going to hinge on whether the Mets really think they need this long man or not. If they really think they need a long man to fill the Trevor Williams role, they will go with Alicia Hernandez. If they don't think they need that, they will go with Dennis Santana. Who like so Alicia Hernandez has not covered himself in glory this spring and has not pitched very well. Um, Dennis Santana was a late waiver pickup, and I don't know if he's like pitched for the Mets at all this spring. I have no idea like if he's pitched. I haven't seen him. I haven't watched all the games, but I haven't seen him in a game, and nor I do I he think pitched he's the pitched. other day. Oh, okay. Somebody had like pictures of him in an actual uniform doing stuff was he pitching in a game or just like in the backfield in my i can't remember but i remember seeing the name and pictures so he did something i he's, don't know he's what. throwing in some capacity yeah. in a mets uniform so there you baseball go. activities baseball meeting some developmental objectives <laughs> <laughs> um as uh and as uh i think it was jeff padnasher on for all you kids out there he mentioned the fact that if Dennis Santana makes this bullpen, he will be the youngest member of it, which is Ooh. special to think about. Ooh. Folks, Drew Smith is is almost 30. What? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a reality check for you all to swallow. <laughs> oh, man, that's 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 what's happening. That's how long like Drew 25. Smith has been around. So, Yeah. That's that's the situation. Although Drew Smith is actually a good Twitter user. We need to yes, point that out. He is. He is very good on Twitter. I enjoy Drew Smith's tweets. And he As wanted many to like... almost 30 year olds are. Yeah. That's true. 
He wanted to start a GoFundMe to, so we could re-sign Edwin Diaz. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, don't think uh, Steve Cohen needs a GoFundMe, but I did appreciate the sentiment. I did too. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, this last spot is kind of like the this spot only exists because Edwin Diaz is hurt, so it has to be filled by someone. I... I I don't I'm not this isn't me necessarily arguing that Dennis Santana is the better choice. I just think that like I don't agree with the idea of rostering Alicia Hernandez, even if they think he's the inferior option just because he can be the long man um, because they have multiple relievers in that bullpen, namely uh, Nagosik and Hunter, who can throw multiple innings. So I don't think they necessarily need that. Um, Buck Showalter, Showalter also gave a quote where he said, like, we see Alicia Hernandez as a starter. So he might have let the cat out of the bag a little bit, because to me, that indicates that they want to keep him stretched out in the minors. I'm not sure if he was supposed to say that or not, but he did say it out loud. Well, I'm honestly like, shocked if, that if he hasn't been spent down in AAA. In your, you've got to have that depth. That is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like... I mean, you know, in the minors, when it comes to, you know, starting pitchers, obviously they're put there. They have Tyler McGill down there. He will be the first man up for whatever spot start or injury vacancies happen. Um, but after that <laughs> starts to get pretty bleak. So excuse me. They have Lucchese. Yes. Thank you. Lucchese. Yes. <laughs> um, but they don't really have much of anybody else besides those two in the minors right now so i don't know bryce montez the oka is like seriously hurt right yes he's hurt yeah um pretty badly um and he's never been healthy sadly Mm. um otherwise i think actually you know he he's a guy who if healthy probably would have made this bullpen i over, think so yeah over hernandez or dennis santana sam coonrod's another guy who would have made this bullpen if he hadn't strained his lat um 100% would have made this bullpen but uh unfortunately neither of them are healthy so we have hernandez or santana is that final spot and that's kind of like the last decision that needs to be made um oh wait where's breakum Brigham got optioned. Oh, okay. So that is a guy who hasn't been talked about a lot. We talked about him a little bit on the uh, season preview podcast. And uh, Lucas and Thomas, uh, who follow the minor leagues much more closely than I do, were both surprised by um, Brigham not... Like, I don't think they were necessarily surprised he didn't make the bullpen, but I think they were surprised that he didn't get, like, more hype around him because... um, he pitched really well this spring, but again, I think this is a situation where the Mets are like, that guy has options. <laughs> mm. So they optioned him, but I think that he is a guy you will see this year in some capacity at some point along with Coomrod. And if Montes de Oca can get healthy as well, probably him also. The Mets have done a very good job. I think, um, on the fringes of this bullpen and signing a bunch of like William Woods is still floating around. He got sent to the minors. He's going to be around Steven ridings. Like they did a really good job getting a bunch of these like NRI, like optionable relievers. Um, They've got a bunch of dudes. 
They got a bunch of dudes to fill out the upper minors, with, which they needed because they can't develop these guys on their own. Drew Smith's the only one. Does he like, even we, count? Yeah, he counts. I think he's okay. like a bona fide, like, I don't want to, maybe developmental win is too far. But like, <laughs> he's he's like a, he is a real major league pitcher yeah. that they yeah, have. No, and I wasn't, I, I more meant like, because we didn't draft him, right? He was a. no. But I think that they acquired him early enough in his developmental yeah, we'll, curve. We'll, that we'll take credit. I think that's fair. Mets at least get partial credit for so there's one Smith. Yeah, one. <laughs> one partial credit. And like, and what's crazy is, is like they that was specifically their strategy when they did all those, like when they basically like offloaded everyone in 2017. They traded for a bunch of these guys. They're like, like somebody will stick. It's like Drew Smith, come on down. <laughs> Drew <laughs> Smith, the only one. Drew Smith and Steven Nagosik are the only ones left in the organization out of like, I don't know, it was like six or seven of those Nagosik guys. I was part of that whole group. I yeah, I think too. he was. Yeah. Like, was Steven Nagosik part of the, which track? Wait, who I'm, was the guy with the glasses who somebody argued was their future clothes or Oh, yes. Oh, God. They and made then he got suspended in- for like, because the Phillies thought he was throwing at him. Uh, Rame. Rame. Jacob Rame. <laughs> he was part of that as well, as was a, a bunch of people who got really hurt uh, and just never made it to the majors. But Steven. Because Drew Smith was for Duda, right? Yes, Drew Smith was for Duda. That I, I think Rame was for Grandy. Oh, yeah. So the Nagosik was part of the same trade. It was the Addison Reed trade with the Red Sox. It was the same trade. So Nagosik, Jamie Callahan, who is one of the guys who got really hurt that I was thinking of, and Gerson Bautista, obviously now out of the organization. All three of those guys they got for Addison Reed. And Nagosik's the only one that's still left in the organization. Jamie Callahan's like out of baseball. And Gerson Bautista is, I don't know exactly where now, but has been traded many times over, I think, since... (laughs) So, so, yeah, it's Drew Smith and Steven Nagosik are the only. And then which one was uh because there was there were guys from the Granderson trade also. Yeah, Rain was definitely Grandy. Rain was Grandy, and then there was another one. Oh man, I mean, not all of them Lucas were relievers, Duda, right? Was one of them. Lucas Smith Duda was, was Duda. Drew Smith. Yeah, that was, and it. someone else, um, who I don't think was a pitcher. I think was a position player, um. But yeah, like a bunch of these guys, and they got so many of them, and yeah, these are the only ones that are left. Um, and Drew Smith, I think. I mean, I hope Steven Nagosik is successful this year, and if he is, then we can say like that might have been a a win from that series of trades also. But right now, I would say Drew Smith is really the only one you could consider like a a win from those trades. Oof. Yeah, it was not a great showing. Kind of Thanks, sad. Sandy. Yeah. Well, Neil Walker they traded too, didn't yes, they? Yes, they did. <laughs> God, they they were they traded a lot of guys in, in that, <laughs> that year. They, I mean, they they fire sold. They fully did that. Um, they just did a really bad job of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so the other thing that the Mets did do is they signed Dylan Bundy to a minor league deal. Birdland hashtag Birdland. Your brand, Allison. Yep. The brand is ascending. It's so strong. Um, Michael was asking me if uh, the other day if like this is the like strongest like Mets Orioles crossover that my brand has experienced, and I said I had to remind him, no, no, no. That was when Matt Harvey became an Oriole. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like probably second or third strongest my brand has been. Um, 
Dylan Bundy is at this stage of his career. He is what he is, which is that he tops out at 89 and still has Oof. a decent slider. Well, there you go. And that's well, basically that's something, I guess. Um, he, Some people don't even have that. Yes, it's true. And like that is a that I mean, we just talked about the fact that beyond Tyler McGill and Joey Lucchese and potentially Alicia Hernandez, there's literally nothing coming in from AAA. So now there's Dylan Bundy who might. I, I mean, if Dylan Bundy makes a start for the Mets this year, that's not good, probably. But I'm glad he's here, though. <laughs> um, what happened to him? Was it injuries or? No, he's just declined. Oh. He was never super great to begin with. Um, I mean, he was fine. Uh, just a very, like, league average-ish starter who, you know, when you lose a couple ticks off that, you become, like, barely rosterable. Um. Yeah, I mean, and and he know you know he he was Buck Buck Showalter managed him for many years, so they have that existing relationship, which I think helps. Um, so yeah, that was cool. I mean, yeah, it's it's better than a lot of else that's out there right now, which is not much. So I think that that was a good like move to make on the fringes, just to fortify the pitching depth a little bit. To it's kind of like the the last stopgap between like the Mets and a, one of those like Thomas Sapucky disasters from last year, or like the Jose Budo start. Like that's what they're trying to prevent with Dylan Bundy. I think. Although Thomas Sapucky was very good for the Giants last year in their bullpen. Well, <laughs> he had it under a two ERA. Well, maybe they fixed him. If so, good for them, God yeah. bless. Yeah. Thanks, um, Darren Roth. The, the positive news on the injury front, obviously the Mets have had a rough spring injury-wise, but the positive news is that like they've had they had the two major injuries in Quintana and Diaz, which we know what those are. We know they're not coming back anytime soon. Um, but all the guys who were like kind of marginally, like lightly injured, all seem fine, which is good. Um, improbably Brandon Nimmo will start on opening day, it seems, uh, which if you looked at that injury when it happened, I would not have put my chips on that, <laughs> but that is happening. Um, Brooks Raley seems like he will be ready for opening day as will Carlos Carrasco, although like not opening day, but Carlos Carrasco will be ready to make his first start of the season. So that's all good news. We'll take good news where we can get it at this point. Take the dubs where you can get them. Um, so I think to just to close out the the Mets chat for this week, I figured we did this on the season preview podcast, but I want to get each of our individual takes on it. Um, what do you think? What do each of you think the Mets final record will be and what place where they finish in the NL East? We'll start with Maggie. Okay. Um, I have been super duper disconnected from so much Mets stuff. So this is going to be a super raw take. Um, I'm going to go with 97 wins. First place. Why not? Let's yeah. go with that. First place, 97 mm. wins. Boom. Boom. Linda, what do you think? Uh <laughs> like the see the Marlins have kind of improved and they've always been pesky so I think they're going to be tougher than usual whereas the Nationals are just laughably bad 
So, but then you play your in division teams less this less. year. Um, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say eighty nine wins. Woof! Yikes! And a wild card. The the top wild card. Are top wild ins- card. Type yeah. top wild card. Okay. Um. I'm going to go 98 wins first place. Um, I think we we talked a little bit about this on season preview pod, but I think obviously the Braves and Phillies are both good again. Um, and uh, the Phillies obviously improved a lot by adding Trey Turner, um, but they are missing Bryce Harper, but he, it seems like he'll be back sooner than people thought, which is good news for them. Um, but they do have other injuries. Obviously, Reese Hoskins, unfortunately, suffered an ACL tear, very similar to Edwin Diaz's patellar tendon tear and is out for the season. Um, very alarming trend of these knee tendon tears happening in baseball. It's not a very common baseball injury, and all of a sudden it's happening at a very alarming rate. That's something that I am not qualified to speak on the reasons why, but I am alarmed by it is all I will say. Um, so that was a blow to them. Uh, but they're still a very good baseball team. Um, the Braves are, you know, they won 101 games last year, just like the Mets did. Um, but they didn't really improve. In fact, you could argue they got worse. Um, their pitchers are already injured again. Um, they left. Swanson left and they didn't replace him. They and they aren't even playing their young shortstop Grissom. Instead, they are playing uh Orlando Arcia as their starting shortstop. So they did they did the same thing that the Mets did with Beatty and just decided not to not to play their prospect. Um so that there's that. They downgraded at shortstop. They may have slightly upgraded at catcher by doing now they have Sean Murphy and Travis Darno as opposed to Travis Darno and William Contreras. I'm not sure how much of a an an actual like impact that's gonna make, but I I guess it's like a slight upgrade. Um but yeah, they didn't really do much of anything else. So it's really the same team which has a very scary top like three or four in that lineup terrifying truly especially if ronald acuna is fully healthy um he's the he's an mvp candidate if he is and so you know that's that's a really good player right there and that that might that might add to their win total in and of itself just him being fully healthy but if you we talk about the holes in the mets lineup at the bottom if you look at the other two top dogs in the in the nl east They have similar problems like their seven through nines are not any better than the Mets, I would say. Yeah, the Mets are not unique. I would argue the Phillies, the Phillies bottom half of the lineup is is far worse than the Mets. I guess a lot depends on whether Nick Castellanos has another year like last year or whether he has a better year. (laughs) Uh, If he has a better year, then that helps the Phillies a lot. Um, But yeah, the, the bottom of the Braves lineup is like the catching spot. And um, and Orlando Arcia and like Eddie Rosario, it's like not very good, you know. So you know, I think I think the Mets can. I think even without Edwin Diaz, because the, the Braves, Rocio Iglesias is hurt. Obviously, not as hurt as Edwin Diaz. He's not he's not supposed to miss the whole year, but that's their closer. Didn't they lose some other pieces of their bullpen too? 
Yes. They, I mean, everybody does. I yeah. think it's important when we think about this, like every team loses players over the course of spring training. Like every team enters the season with some holes, you know, and yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So I think, I mean, not to, not to minimize the Phillies and the Braves who are both very good baseball teams. Um, but I think, and I think it's going to be a tight division race again. Uh, I think if the Mets win 98 games, that maybe, that maybe gets them a, a one win NLE's victory margin <laughs> or something like that. But I, I still think that they can win the division. We'll see. I I think that I think at the very least we can expect them to not miss the playoffs and hopefully they do a better job with the opportunity they are given this yeah. year than they did last year. Yeah. Would be nice. Yeah. Um, so we alluded to a little bit when we talked about both Brett Beatty and the Braves opting to start um Arcia at shortstop instead of Grissom. Um some other like similar decisions um, about prospects were made by other teams. Um, and I think uh, in particular, one of them is the, is this, uh, this week's, I took the form of a 45 year old white man for a reason. I can only fail up entry. <laughs> um, so we'll start with the positive uh, just shout out uh, to teams who are actually giving their top prospects a chance. Uh, the Cardinals are starting Jordan Walker on their opening day roster and uh, Anthony Volpe made the Yankees opening day roster. So they are both doing a good job in this department. By contrast, uh, the Orioles are not putting Grayson Rodriguez, their top pitching prospect in their rotation. Why? Who can say? <laughs> um, Haven't the foggiest. Haven't hmm. the foggiest. It's, I mean, it's one thing when you have actual alternatives at the position where the prospect is but instead the Orioles do like the Orioles don't have that they don't have a good start Kyle Gibson is their opening day starter they do Oof. not have a good rotation at all um so it's just yeah it's it that was really frustrating to see I would argue like if you're just looking at it as a baseball fan and you're not a fan an Orioles fan or a Mets fan um I would argue that this is I think that this is even more frustrating for Orioles fans than the Brett Beatty situation is for Mets fans, because this is a team who who's been actively tanking for five or six years now, finally had a decent team last year, finally saw a glimmer of hope, refused to invest in that team all offseason and now are not is not giving their their young prospects a chance infuriating if I'm an Orioles fan I am furious about this and Mike Elias the reason why this is actually an entry and I took the form of a 45 year old white man for a reason I can only fail up is the specific quote that Mike Elias gave about this which if I'm an Orioles fan would make me want to storm Camden Yards honestly <laughs> like we can talk about the silliness that Billy Epler taught uh, like the the silliness GM speak that Billy Epler did with Brett B this is like that but even worse um, so someone asked him, and again, props to whatever beat writer asked this question, is service time part of the calculation with Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall moving forward? Elias said, no, I get really frustrated with that topic too. We have five starting pitchers here with all of them established major league league success as starting pitchers. They had good camps, better camps than these guys. 
it really wasn't tough to decide on that last rotation spot through the lens of who do we want to help us win these games? At least the first five games of the season, we'll take it from there after those games. Once you get past that, okay, do we put these guys in the bullpen? And the answer is no. So we optioned them. Adley got hurt last year. That was unfortunate. As soon as he was healthy, we brought him up. Gunnar Henderson, we brought him up. He's obviously making the team. When guys are ready, the job is theirs, and there's not better options, we bring them up to the major league team. We're going to continue to do that. He, The quote is longer than that, but I think that that's the relevant portion. There's several issues with this. First of all, him talking about him saying that he gets frustrated with the topic. It's like, oh, so you're frustrated that fans are pointing out your bullshit. I'm sorry. Like what? <laughs> um, frustrated with the topic. The topic meaning your job. Yeah. Yeah. The literal thing you are supposed to do. I'm also frustrated by service time manipulation that I'm doing. <laughs> you're like, does he know he can do something about that? Like. He's frustrated that people are pointing it out is mm. what it is. He's not yeah. actually frustrated with the topic. He's frustrated that people are calling him out is what yeah. it is. Yeah, he can't get away with it. Um, And so also the bullshit about like we've promoted our other prospects as soon as they've been healthy and ready. That's like demonstrably false. Like all you have to do is Google like Adley Rutschman's game logs. He was healthy for a long time at AAA before they brought him up. Like, he arguably was not brought up soon enough. Um, And so, like, that's just, like, you're just... It's insulting to the fan base's intelligence when you when you say this stuff. Like, if I, like, a not-hardcore Orioles fan know this, then, uh, uh, then every Orioles fan knows this. Like, they know he's lying. <laughs> like, we know you're lying, man! Stop lying! Wait... Nothing's gonna stop him though. He's gonna continue to lie and not do anything about it because this the system in place allows them to do this. Yeah, there's right. not gonna be any consequences. So no, nope. sure isn't. And you don't I care. I should have brought this up ahead of time, but this is the Orioles starting rotation. And I, I mean I already told you, Kyle Gibson is the is the is this first starter is the opening day starter so that should tell you enough in and of itself but here's the rest of the rotation so we've got kyle gibson uh-huh dean kramer hmm. cole okay. Irvin, kyle bradish and tyler what? wells i don't know like i was iffy on number two <laughs> <laughs> and that's a big nada on any of the last three yeah, tyler no. wells was a former Rule 5 acquisition. <laughs> Not this season, but, like, he they got him from Rule 5, like, two years ago. Two or three years ago. Like, he's not, he's not very good. And uh, so Cole Irvin is a guy who they, like, is a real guy who they got from the Oakland A's in a trade. I can't remember who they sent back to the A's, but he's, like, you know, a, like... Mid to back end rotation starter, like an actual major league pitcher. Fine. Dean Kramer, you know, uh, he's been in the organization for a few years. He's fine. Whatever. But like, I, you can say that I, I haven't looked at the numbers. So like, I'm assuming that he's not going to lie enough to like when he says that, like, they had better camps than Grayson Rodriguez, like. I, I, I haven't looked at the numbers, so I can't say that's a lie. And I really hope that he's not lying about literal spring training stats that you can go on MLB.com and find in two seconds. 
But so I have to believe that, like, sure, maybe Kyle Bradish pitched better than him, pitched better than Grayson Rodriguez in, you know, 15 spring training innings or whatever. But like making the argument that these are actually better pitchers just because they have some major league service time than Grayson Rodriguez is just nonsense. It's nonsense. They're doing service time manipulation, which is what the Braves are doing, which is maybe what the Mets are doing. <laughs> but the Mets are in a position to not do it. Like Cohen can afford right. I mean, they all can afford it, but especially can Cohen, he can pay people. Yeah. So I don't know. But that was that was that made me extra angry. Um so but other other there isn't too too much going on baseball wide uh aside from that obviously other teams like finalizing their rosters and making these decisions um the something that did happen is that the Braves City Connect jerseys dropped today um and Texas is uh the next team that will get theirs um I mean the Brave City Connects are fine is my hot take it's not very a very hot take it's a very lukewarm take they're fine. They have the I haven't looked like, at them yet. I'm actually pulling them up right now. They have a big A on them. Live reaction. Wait, where are they? Uh-huh. So, well, they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. They're they're throwback to um to Hank Aaron uh, era Braves with the um, red, white, and blue, uh, mostly white with the blue and red accents. Uh, the the royal blue, not the navy blue. Um, they already have like retro hats that, um, that, you know, Braves fans rock all the time that have the like lowercase script a, like the, on them that are this style. Um, it's the typical Braves capital swooshy a, um, and instead of, and and it just says the a, because that's like, you know, the, their thing hashtag the a for Atlanta. Um, so, you know, they're not ugly, but they're not. They're not reinventing the wheel. Like these are basically retro jerseys. They're which... not last year's nationals um cherry blossom. <sighs> the best city connects. Sorry. I know art. I'm biased. And they're not uh, on the flip side, they're not the like so boring, they barely even exist, like Los Dodgers jerseys. Oh my god, the worst. <laughs> they find some like little medium spot, which is just where the Braves should be in life. It's just <laughs> a little medium spot. I went to the MLB store on Saturday and they have like a special section for just all the city connects and the nationals one is so pretty in person. So good. Like if the nationals were not in the Mets division, I would have bought one with a quickness. (laughs) Oh, I would have too. The angels Um, one is okay. The angels Angels one is is clean. It's nice. It's very nice. And then Um, the Padres is kind of fun. I like the oh, Padres, I love the Padres one. ones. It's, that is really fun. The but neon. Um, I love the, the Marlins ones also. Boston's I don't like. Boston's are very meh. Yeah. Um, I love the Rockies ones. Yes, lot. the Rockies one was good. Yeah, the green with the mountains, excellent stuff. Um, yeah, the White Sox one is very meh to me. Um, trying to think what, who else has had theirs. Yeah, I'm trying to. Think, I'm trying to like visualize their wall. What else was there? Yeah. Um, but I think the Brewers had one, maybe. Oh yes, theirs was like fine, and the Cubs had theirs, and it yeah. was fine. The Cubs had like the light blue, like the light blue and navy, and it was like Wrigleyville. It was like fine. 
Um, yeah, there have been like a few standout good ones and a few like standout bad ones, and most of them have just been fine. And the Braves one is very much in the fine category. Um, no one's gonna top the cherry blossoms. I hate to break it to them. No, yeah, that's, no. I mean, we can just go into our year knowing, and that's fine. You just have to know. Yeah. I know. So I have some insider info. I can't reveal any more than that. I have a connection mm. at Nike. Um, you have a city connect. I have a, I have a city <laughs> connect. Um, I can't reveal any more than that because I don't want this person to get in trouble. Um, so I don't want to say, but I do. One thing I know, like I've seen all of these, so I know what they all look like. I'm not going to reveal anything on the podcast, though. Sorry. Um, uh, no public reveals. I know what the, I know what all of this year's City Connects are going to look like, and I know what teams they are. Um, I can tell you that the Mets are not this year. I don't know when the Mets are are happening, but it's not this year, sadly. We have to wait. I've been, it's been agonizing watching all these other teams get theirs and the Mets not getting theirs. I want are it the so Yankees bad. even going to do one? I don't know. I straight. don't know. The Yankees are not this year either, and I don't know if they ever are going to do it. Um, I mean, they I, ha- if the Dodgers did it, the Yankees can't really stand on a leg to say that they are. I wouldn't put it past them. Just I wouldn't put it past them. To I'm sure they'll try, but um, money is money, man. I mean, like, even if they do do it, it's going to be the most boring thing imaginable. Right, well, it's going to have the Los Dodgers something only, thing only worse. They should, like, like, somehow even less. The Yankees could have such cool ones, too, is the thing. And without, like, really changing it all that much, like, they could really lean into the, like, I would love to see them lean into, like, Bronx Bombers and put, like, bombers on the front or something and do, like, a little bomb or, like, like the classic jerseys but with graffiti art it would be really cool well placed and like yeah bom- i think the bronx bombers would be like the great a great thing i, I don't know they won't do it though they no. would be boring i think they should do like a and they don't even have to like change the color scheme if they don't want to if they're so like oh like our or reverse it do like the navy yeah. with the white pinstripe i think they should do navy with like white accents and do like white graffiti and like incorporate a bomb image somehow and put bombers on the front. And I think that would be cool and like not so off the wall that it offends the traditionalist Yankee fan sensibilities. Um, and maybe hire for- Allison to make the jerseys. Nike. Seriously, graphic design is my passion. Um, <laughs> my whatever I designed would be so bad, folks. Please do not hire me. I'm terrible at no. Art. Hire her to sit there and talk about what it should look like, and also hire designers. To yeah, hire a designer to, to realize my vision that's trapped in my brain and can't actually be realized because I can't draw. <laughs> um, exactly. I would have like little like um like stick figures. Oh yeah, mine would be awful. Um, mine would be like a Microsoft Paint. Oh god, it would be like word art across the the word art. (laughs) (laughs) It would it would be featured on uh the shirts that go hard Twitter account for sure. Um, so yeah, but so yeah, that the city connects. I mean, like for even though some of them have not been uh home runs, shall we say, to use a baseball metaphor, I think the whole concept of them is awesome. And I'm excited for when the Mets finally get theirs. I hope it's good. I'm going to be so furious if it's not. Um, one last uh, note, um, uh, baseball-wise, this this week is that um, something I think. So I feel like there's like been a lot of good 
vibes and goodwill in the aftermath of the World Baseball Classic and what a success it was, and deservedly so, like good vibes and goodwill for the league. Um, but I think that we should just do well to not forget that the league continues to do craven bullshit in other areas. <laughs> um, and this whole issue that we've already brought up in this podcast in the in the past about um, the league trying to um, screw minor leaguers out of the state minimum wage is still happening, still actively happening. Um, Jason Garcia initially first reported it like a few weeks ago. We talked about it on a previous podcast, um, but there has been some movement on this issue since we last discussed it. Um Jason Garcia, again, has done excellent reporting on this, um, and he shared like email exchanges between MLB's lobbyists and lawmakers that he found um, through his reporting. Um, and it's 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 illuminating, uh, to say the least. I will I will post the Twitter thread in the show notes and the social media t- uh, posts for this week. Um, but yeah, the basically the. MLB lobbyists shared like a white paper on the issue of like basically like why like literally one of the headings is why minimum wage should not apply to professional baseball like it's just craven bullshit um and they shared this white paper with uh the lawmakers and like whole sections of that white paper appeared verbatim in the bill text like it's basically like the lobbyists wrote this bill for for them um and the bill has passed committee um in florida so that's the situation that we're at right now um i don't know when it when it is scheduled if it is scheduled to undergo a full vote um in the florida legislature but it is passed through committee in florida so that's something to just keep an eye on um and once again jason's reporting on this uh, has been awesome so i highly recommend you you follow him and and support his reporting because he's basically the only person talking about this um, anywhere. So uh, that sucks. And of course, it's Florida. Yeah, well, of course, uh, their governor is someone who I think that the that Major League Baseball and its owners uh, thought they could get somewhere with, which uh, womp, I am womp. sure that if the bill gets to Ron DeSantis's desk, that he will happily sign it. Yep. So that's that. Um, but it's opening week. Vibes are still overall good. I'm excited for the season. I'm ready for baseball. There's been like enough layover after the World Baseball Classic now that I'm just like ready for ready for good baseball stuff. to start. Yeah, yeah, let's just get this underway already. It's time. <laughs> I hate that the Mets have three full days off. I mean, I know that it's like probably good for the players, so fine. But I really hate that like they had their last spring training game yesterday, Sunday, and we have to wait till Thursday for a, for opening day. Like, ugh, three full days without baseball after I've gotten it for a month. No, well, they had like an interleague game today, and Sango was really good. Yeah, I heard he threw a bunch of ghost forks, which was, yeah, which he was avoiding throwing in his previous outings. My dude. I wonder if he was, like, holding back so that way, like, major league hitters wouldn't recognize it until, like, again, he, like, his own team isn't going to, if he throws against his own team, right. it's not going to matter. That doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think hopefully that was just the case is that he was just, like, trying not to showcase the pitch too much to the outside world so that it's still a surprise to most hitters. Um. 
But yeah, baseball, yeah. it's happening. Let's do it. Let's do it. Next time we record a podcast, there It'll will be have baseball. Been so very excited. Um, but in the meantime, while we wait the excruciating three days for baseball to start, um, we will end the show this week like we always do with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so this has become a bit of an annual tradition, um, and this walk-off win will always hold a little special place in my heart because it was my very first walk-off win ever when we first started the pod. And then it was also, I just remember it as my first walk-off win in like the COVID era when like coming up with the walk-off wins was not always easy. Um, but as it has been end of March every year for six years now, um, Six years, we haven't been doing a potto, but six years, have my walk-off win is my daughter's birthday, Eleanor. She turned six this week, um, and she's amazing, and we had a wonderful birthday with her. She had a great party at the playground. All of her friends came. We painted magnets. We had, it was half unicorn, half rainbow, which was literally like half of the decorations and like half of the banner, half of the balloons were rainbow and the other half was unicorn. Um, and she had unicorn cupcakes and a rainbow cake. And it was just all so perfect. And she's such a sweet and special girl. And yeah, happy birthday, Eleanor. And um, happy walk off win for me. Happy birthday, Ellie. Happy birthday, Ellie. I think the first time you did this walk off when she was turning four, if I'm recalling. So that's kind no, of it would have been would have been when she was turning three. I mean, it would have been when she was three. turning. Ooh, because <gasps> it was 2019 that we started. Oh my god, she, my baby was turning two. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> now she's in kindergarten. I mean, this is what like I feel like enough people knew me when she was a literal baby. That now the fact that she's like six years old in kindergarten, she started ballet class. Like, oh my gosh, she's this amazing little rock star. Um, she wants to be a surgeon when she grows up. Oh, which don't awe that though. It's cute if kids want to be doctors. She wants to be a surgeon. That means she's crazy, <laughs> but in a good way. <laughs> like, we need those. No, we do need them. We're scared of them, but we need them and we love them. <laughs> yeah, How's so her she, dexterity? A, good? Um, yes. Yes. She's, I mean, she is just like a 99th percentile human being. She's just good at everything she does. Um, and it, but is still also like humble and sweet and all those things that are hard to do when you're as talented as, as she is. So um, yeah, no, the world is really lucky to have this one. This is a, this is a good one. Like, you I can't go wrong with, with unicorns and in... motor skills to be a surgeon. Yeah, no. no, she actually like, she wants to be a surgeon and she probably will be one. And you can't go wrong with rainbows and unicorns. Either. It's true. And <laughs> I was just very proud of myself for being able to pull off half rainbow half unicorns that was not entry level uh children's birthday planning luckily they do go well together yes, yes. <laughs> linda surovich what is your walk-off win for this week my walk-off win is i took advantage of amazing day on saturday courtesy of the meds um 
and went to the Met in my Met hat for free with my, I made sure to wear the floral hat, the lucky floral hat. Yeah. Um, and we did stop at the team store too, but that's where, you know, I saw all the, all the florals, but well, we had, I, I had to work, so I didn't get to take the full advantage of Amazing Day. Um, and though I should say that could also be another walk off win because I had the, an author event um, at work that I had to go to because it was Jason Klein, who we had on the show, who wrote Yes Pepper, and he shouted us out in his author event. So now I'm going to reciprocate and shout him out, and everybody should buy Yes Pepper because it's a picture book about girls playing baseball. Um, so everybody should go buy it. Um, and then uh, one of the attendees bought who her two girls, and she said her girls are signed up for baseball, and there's 16 girls signed up for baseball. Yes. Yay. Which is awesome. And her girls had have their pink cleats. They had the pink helmet. They're ready to go. So that made my heart so happy to, to hear that, too, that so many girls are interested in baseball and playing baseball. Um, but then I left work early, so then we went to the city. And even though it was such a good idea to do it, I just wish it hadn't been such a miserable day. Because um, it would have been really awesome. And I think more people would have taken advantage of all the stuff they had going on if it wasn't such a... And then, of course, Friday was a great day. and It was sunny and warm. And then Sunday, of course, was sunny and warm. So Saturday was like the worst day of the weekend. Sunday was the outdoor birthday party day. So I feel like it worked out okay. Well, Sunday, yes. It, Sunday was allowed, but it couldn't, like, send some of that to Saturday, <laughs> too. Um, but... I had been to the Met several times, but I didn't realize Washington Crossing the Delaware was there. And it is massive. Like, just hearing the stunned gasps around, like, I had the same reaction, too. I was like, oh, my God. Um, like, everybody knows this painting, but you don't realize just it took up a whole back museum wall is how big this painting is. Um so it was I love, going to the Met is always a good time. And um, if I hadn't been so famished and so exhausted from working to going to the city, um, we probably would have stayed longer. Um, but it was it was fun seeing everybody walking around the city in their Met hats, even though it was raining and then walking around the Met and seeing everybody in their Met hats like. By God, Cohen is going to try to turn this into a Mets town and hopefully we're getting there. Um but yeah, any, I think, and I think they should do it again. I think it was a really good idea, and I hope they do it again because if they do do it again, I'm making sure I'm off from work that day, and I'm going to take full advantage of everything they have going on, like getting a Mets library card. I can't believe I missed out on getting a Mets library card at the Queen's Library. Like that's my brand. That's my come thing. on, Linda. Uh, maybe they have an extra one somewhere yeah like if anybody knows anybody at the queen's library do you hook a library enough <laughs> um but yeah anybody else who went i hope they had a good time because it was fun and you got to take advantage of some some cool things so and also go see the met go see all the artwork they're like the temple and in the egyptian wing and and like you know, for me, you know, seeing all like the kitty statues, I'm like, oh, kitties. But, you know, uh, but it's just incredible that they have all this stuff that's like thousands and thousands of years old, like in the whole 
temple in the middle of the building, um, which is always really cool to see. So if you haven't been to the Met, I highly suggest it. You go, and even if you have to pay. <laughs> uh, the way you reacted to Washington crossing the Delaware is like, it, it reminds me of how I reacted to seeing the David in Italy oh. in person. It's like- Oh, you weren't a-, a- like totally scarred for life as a poor yeah. vegetable child. <laughs> no, I mean I was a college student, so I was already like okay, sort of. So you were already broken, but uh, <laughs> but no, no, I was not scarred. I was awed. Like it, like these are things that you see in t- in textbooks and you know what they look like, but it's just completely different in person. It's just larger than life. Like you, it's amazing. You have to see these works of art in person. There's just no like replicating it by seeing pictures of it um so yeah that's that's really cool and uh, and i i agree amazing day is such a good idea i think they should do it again i think that they should do more things like that because it's it's a way to engage the community with your team like yeah it's it's an easy dub yeah like we can know it's hard here because new york is split we'll never be able to rally behind one team but you should make that connection as best as you can and absolutely shout out to jason klein um if you haven't listened to our our interview with jason yet please go back and listen to it he he's so thoughtful and his book is so good so please please buy and read yes pepper and check out our interview with jason if you haven't already so my walk-off win for this week um is that michael and i have a new addition in our family um Michael's sister gave birth over the weekend to our nephew. So I am very excited um, to be an aunt uh, because that is like the role I feel I was born for. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited. Uh, As a mom, I would say, yes, aunts are the best. <laughs> yep. Yep. Future Mets fan, Luke. Um, welcome to the world. I can't wait to meet him. Um, next week we're gonna meet him. I can't uh, believe they named the child after Lucas Duda. That was really obviously. that was very thoughtful. Yes, yeah. yes, completely niche, but I like it <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're gonna meet him next week. We're going up to New York for Michael's spring break. Um, next week. Uh, so we're very excited for that, and obviously we're going to the the home opener. So while we're in New York, so that will be. An epic week meeting our nephew, going to the Mets home opener. Man, it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. Um, so, yeah, welcome to the world, Luke. I can't wait to meet you. I'm so excited. Um, that's my walk-off win. Well, congratulations, and congratulations to the family. Thank you. Um, so that does it for the show this week. Um, you can support our show on Patreon. Please, please, please support our work. Um, patreon.com slash homerunapplesauce you can go to homerunapplesauce.com to get all the latest um, our shows will be embedded there so you can find the latest episode there although the shows will still be going up on Amazing Avenue for the time being um, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from Home Run Applesauce. Um, and please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. You can follow Home Run Applesauce on Twitter and Instagram at HR Applesauce. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Cerovich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. And you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at a pod of their own. So, yeah, that does it for the show this week. 
Um, until next week, uh, the original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there's no crying.